Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and I'm going to be doing this one again solo. Hopefully we will have Kelly back in the next couple weeks. We've been trading texts and he's got a lot of NFL takes waiting and he's raring to go. He can't wait to be back and we're looking forward to when he can join us again. We're hoping it's going to be in the next couple weeks, but until then... It's just going to be me solo. I'm trying to do a couple guests, but uh, we'll see. Might just have to do a couple more solo ones. And the plan for today is we're going to do a lot of NFL and college football. I'm recording this on Wednesday, uh, the 23rd. I know the NBA season started last night, and uh, first a lot, a lot of teams have their first games today. But I'm going to save a lot of NBA stuff for a little bit later in the week, maybe next week. Uh, just formulating a lot, a, a lot of opinions. We've been so focused on football that I also want to see how a couple of the, the first few games go, see how guys are looking before give away too much of our NBA picks. But just from right now, uh, just the early my thoughts early on is that Milwaukee is going to come out of the East. I think Giannis, they just have the best player. Giannis is going to take another step forward. That team is really well balanced. I think Chris Middleton is going to play really well this year after getting the Team USA experience. I'm not fully buying Philly yet. I understand how big they are and how they could cause a lot of problems defensively, but I still don't believe in the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, tandem mainly because if in the playoffs if Ben Simmons can't shoot they don't have a guy on the wing who can go and create for for the team they don't have anyone who go create a shot from from the wing in crunch time maybe that's Tobias Harris I'm not a true believer that Harris can really create offense for himself for a true championship level team if if Simmons is going down to basically the dunker spot where Al Horford and and beat should be that's that's gonna be really tough for Philly and I think Giannis is better than anyone on Philly so and in the NBA the best player usually means that you're gonna win the series so I got Milwaukee coming out of the east and I really really love the LA teams you know it's not really a, a hot take at all I really like Denver and I think Houston's gonna be really good so I think it's going to be the Lakers come out of the West, and the, but they're going to have some really stiff competition. The reason why I'm not picking the Clippers is just I want to see Paul George come back first. The dude had double shoulder surgery in the offseason. I just want to see what he looks like when he comes back, how rusty is he, what's his game like. Because if he's the Paul George of old, before the injuries, hey, this you know the Clippers are, are going to make the finals and could very well win it. But if Paul George isn't one hundred percent, that's going to be an issue. And you can you know people will say, oh, they're going to load manage him to the playoffs. Load management works, but it's still like if he's just not the same because it, the, the, these injuries may take until next season to get fully back from. There's not much you can do load management or not. And, but the Clippers are really deep, and I really like them. Houston, I want to see how Harden and Westbrook play together when it counts. If they're actually able to share the ball, if Westbrook's recklessness 
doesn't interfere with the way Houston likes to play. And just what type of shape is James Harden? And it's a, that, that's a thing we have to talk about now is, is he actually going to be in shape when the season starts? Because he did, he wasn't in shape a couple years ago. You know, he never actually looks like he's in great shape. So we'll see. And then I just love Denver. Love Denver. Jokic, that Murray, that, that whole team. I think they're going to be really, really good. They might just be a regular season team for now, but they could cause a lot of problems in the postseason, just the way that they play, the home court advantage with the altitude in Denver. I'm really excited for them. Looking forward to watching them tonight on League Pass. Actually, not not, not on League Pass. I think they're on ESPN tonight. So, that's, so that'll be great. Nikola Jokic, as, as I talked to Colin Stanton last time about it, he's just such a good passer. Like I just love watching him play. He's so much fun, and it never looks like he's running that fast, or he could ever be, you know, just by his body type, you're never like, this dude could win MVP. This Jokic could win MVP this season because he could average a triple-double from the center position and not win blocks with assists, which would just be incredible. So I'm still of the mindset that I don't want to bet against LeBron. Anthony Davis is incredible. If this team... I think they'll have one more move in them. I think they're going to get trade Kuzma for something else at the deadline. Once they figure it out, I just think that the LeBron-Davis combo, if they can figure it out, it's just too hard to stop. And they'll figure it out by Davis has to play the five. LeBron will play the four. And they have enough shooting, I think, that especially because I think they will add some more that they have a real chance to come out of the West just because Anthony Davis and LeBron are just so much better than everyone else. But don't count out the Warriors. They're my sleeper. Don't count out the Warriors. So moving on, I'm going to talk a lot about NFL. I got some four thoughts. I know I haven't done NFL in a while, so just kind of some things that I've been ruminating on. I'm just going to kind of just go stream of consciousness about each Thing. I got four main thoughts, but I'm kind of going to go off in a few tangents, not really sure where it's going to go yet. Then I'm going to take a quick break and then do the same thing, but for college football, because I was out in Ann Arbor this, this past weekend visiting some friends, and I got to watch Michigan-Penn State with some true Michigan fans, and, and I got some thoughts about Michigan and just the whole college football landscape. So we're just going to start with the NFL. My first main thing I want to talk about is, yes, the Patriots are really good this year. Some might even say great, but their schedule has also been bad. Both of these things can be true. You can be a great team like they are, and you can also play a terrible schedule. I don't understand why it has to be one or the other that it's, oh, you know, because the Patriots have played really weak teams. And, you know, I can read it off. They played Pittsburgh in week one, who at the time they had Roethlisberger and they destroyed them. That was a great win. You could argue Pittsburgh never plays well against the Patriots. But, hey, that, that was a good one. But then, but then they played Miami, the Jets, Buffalo, Washington, the Giants, and the Jets again. That is just absolutely dreadful. And, and yes, Buffalo is 5-1. and one, But, and that was their closest game. They won 16-10. to 10. Everyone else... The other six teams that are six games they have to play against five teams are maybe the five of the weakest teams in the whole NFL. 
Miami and Washington are competing one and two for the just disaster of the century football wise that and you just give them credit. Yes, they've they beaten up on them. They beat Miami forty three to zero. They beat the Jets this past week thirty three to zero. They beat Washington thirty three to seven. You know, they're destroying teams, which is exactly what you want out of your best teams. You want them not just to win, but you want them to dominate. And that's what they're doing. Their defense is really, really good. I want to see them against a good team. And they're getting that. Maybe good teams a little bit of a stretch, but they're getting that in Cleveland this week of a dangerous offense. An offense where you're actually worried about the weapons. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. You could see that, hey, we're, we're, we're going to see this week Are the is how good is the Patriots' defense. Are they as good as people think they are? You know, because if they go out and they shut out Cleveland and then they shut out Baltimore, or not shut out, but dominate them, we could be talking about easily the best defense in the Belichick era and maybe even one of the best defenses of the of this decade. Be hard to top the Seattle Legion of Boom defenses, but hey, you never know. That's why we have these debates. And then just more about the Patriots is that just they're losing a lot of weapons offensively. Josh Gordon today on the IR, the hurt knee, obviously no Antonio Brown, cut Demarius Thomas, Gronk still retired doing the Fox pregame show. I actually think he's pretty good. They're running the ball a little bit better, but losing Gronk really hurt their running game in terms of because he's such a good blocker that it took him a while to figure it out. But it's also, I want to see him play a good team to really judge the offense too because Brady is not the same guy. Naturally, he's 42 years old. He can't really hit the deep ball anymore. He has his moments, but you could tell he saves himself when he really needs to play awesome. And we just got to see what it's, what it's going to be like when they need the, you know, the offense needs to put together a drive and move the ball, whether this la- the, the lack of weapons really comes back to hurt them. So I'm excited to see that one going forward. The next thing I want to talk about is the NFC playoffs, unlike the AFC, the NFC playoffs are going to be an absolute bloodbath. Because, except for the Patriots, now with Mahomes' injury, you could say that the next five best teams in the NFL are all in the NFC. You got Garoppolo, undefeated 49ers, coached by Kyle Shanahan. They're really good defense, also for real, just like the Patriots. Then you have the Green Bay Packers at 6-1, and one. Aaron Rodgers looks like the Rodgers of old. He's really getting along with the new coach, Matt LaFleur, really well. That offense is putting up a lot of points, uh, really except for that one loss they had against Philly. This could be an undefeated Packers team. You know, they beat the Bears, they beat the Vikings, had a really good win against the Raiders this past week where Rodgers looked phenomenal. I know you could say it was against the Raiders, but hey, Raiders are also not that bad this year either. So Packers, 6-1. and one. Then you also have the Saints, who are also at, I think they're 5-6-1. and one. Yeah, 
six and one for the Saints with no Drew Brees. You got to think once Brees gets back, it's going to be even better because we have Brees, Thomas, Kamara, Sean Payton. I have a lot of respect for this team. Losing to Minnesota the way they did two years ago on that miraculous Case Keenum to Stephon Diggs touchdown pass. Then you have the loss last year with the pass interference against the Rams. Just absolutely brutal. And just to get back up off that and be able to win as six games to start this year. Drew Brees planning to be back this week against Arizona. They should win that game, whether or not Brees plays or not with Bridgewater. Uh, and then, so they go Cardinals and Falcons. This 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 team could be eight and one going into Week Eleven, and that's going to be huge for them because they're eight and one, really, really, really good. Good defense, great offense. Home field advantage again is possible for the for the Saints where you have to go into the Superdome and win. And really, the Rams won that game. You know, you hate to say it, but because of that pass interference, that was, that was a huge part of it. And just the Saints at home are a completely different beast. So then you got the Saints at Saints at 6-1. and one. You got the Niners. You got the Seahawks at 5-2 and two with potential MVP Russell Wilson. Uh, they're just playing really, really good football. Wilson is just so good. He's in the top five quarterbacks in the league now. Can't really argue against that. And really well coached with Pete Carroll. And also a really tough place to play as well. I don't know if San Francisco will be able to hold on and win the division, but if Seattle finishes the year and they get that home playoff game in the first round, that's a really, really tough matchup to to, to have to go play at Seattle in, in the first round of the playoffs. That's a brutal place to play. And then you have the Rams and the Cowboys, who are both 4-3 and three, and are way more talented than what their record says and probably better than what their record is. But as Bill Parcell says, you're only as good as what your record says you are. And they are 4-3. and three. The Rams are really interesting. We'll talk about the Rams for a second. The NFL seemingly has adjusted back to Sean McVay. They've adjusted to the 11 personnel, all the play action, and now it's on McVay to adjust back to the league to prove that he's this genius who isn't just this one-trick pony, two, three-year fad that he's actually can, can coach for a long time and adjust on the fly and reinvent himself to the teams. But when you look at the Rams, because the Rams went and got Jalen Ramsey. I was talking for weeks about how the Chiefs should go after Jalen Ramsey or the Patriots or the Eagles. The Rams go out and get him, and the Rams give up two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, which means that the Rams won't have a first-round pick for five straight years, going back to when they got golf because they had to trade up with Tennessee to get golf. It's going to be five straight years with no first-round picks. That is really, really difficult to build a future of a team around when you have no first-round picks. They're really, really going all in on this group. And I'm not sure that this is the group to go all in on. I still have my doubts about Jared Goff and his long-term contract where he's the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL looks to be a real mistake, and you really wonder if the Rams wish they could take that one back. 
And you also have to wonder if they are wishing that they could take back the Todd Gurley contract because Todd Gurley is not the same guy. He is not the best running back in football anymore. He has moments, but he's not a guy who you can count anymore because of his knee, because of his arthritic knee. And he doesn't... They're paying so much money to those two guys with no first-round picks or anything. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Rams look like in a couple years if Goff doesn't take this huge step forward. Because if Goff takes takes a big step forward, it's a completely different story. But if Goff remains as inconsistent and as unreliable as he is right now, the Rams are going to be really, really tough to root for and just predict going forward just because they'll have such little salary cap space. It'll be really hard for them to get high-level talent. No first-round picks. Even if they're picking late in the first round, those guys are still really good. And it'll be interesting to see. It's all on McVay now, too. It's like, hey, coach and win a Super Bowl now because we don't know where we're going to be in three years and you may have to coach a roster who's not nowhere near as talented as the one you have now because right now the roster is really talented even though they shipped out Marcus Peters who's talented he's he's all talent very inconsistent playing but now you have Ramsey and Aaron Donald on that defense with Wade Phillips I'm really really interested to see how fast Ramsey can pick it up pick up the the defensive system because if he can the Rams are going to make the playoffs because they are really good still. They have still have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, good receivers. And I think McVay has some stuff up his sleeve too. It's a classic Super Bowl hangover. It's really tough loss in the playoffs last year against the Patriots. Take him a little while to get going. But I could see them finishing the year 10-6, and 11-5. They won't be the 13-3, and 14-2 team we all thought that they could have been. But I still think they'll have a really good chance to make the wild card and get into the playoffs. But of all those teams I talked about, those are six teams in in the playoffs. All six of those NFC teams can make the Super Bowl. It's going to be a bloodbath when they play against each other because th- there could be a first-round scenario where it's Cowboys-Seahawks in the first round or... Cowboys Rams or and, and you know no the Vikings are also five and two like it could be Minnesota against Philadelphia or Minnesota LA in in the first round and you have these teams who are really really good playing against each other and when you just compare it to the AFC now with Mahomes there was a report today that Mahomes was back at practice throwing after dislocating his knee I'm just going to assume that Mahomes is going to be out for a while, so I'm not going to mention the Chiefs in any of this. Obviously, if Mahomes is playing, completely different story, but we're just going to assume that, that, that the Chiefs are out of it now with, with, with Matt Moore. You're basically, it's the Patriots and who else? Okay, the Bills are 5-1, and one, the Ravens are 5-2, and two, the Colts are 4-2, and two, and the Texans are 4-3. and three. Do you really think any of those teams are going to beat the Pats to get to the Super Bowl? Maybe the Colts. I'm not a believer in Lamar Jackson, especially against the Patriots. We'll see in two weeks when they play against each other. But Belichick, what he does so well is takes away the thing that you do best. And I think what he's going to do is that he's going to take away or try to take away Jackson's legs as much as possible and force Jackson to be super accurate in the short, quick passing game, which is his weakness. 
and he's going to he's going to make Jackson beat him with accurate super super accurate throws and take away everything else make take away the big plays of of Jackson make him beat him with long sustained drives of 8 yard completions which is something that you know Jackson's been really good this year but that's still his biggest weakness and i think that against the pats it will be a lot of talk oh can the ravens do it can lamar do it but i just don't think he's ready yet the colts might be able to because they can run the ball they can keep the ball out of brady's hands hopefully against that pats defense which is mainly built from the secondary forward but is jacoby Brissett really going to be able to go into foxborough and and beat the pats I wouldn't bet on it. The Texans with Deshaun Watson, they can, they're the ones who can maybe put up the most points against the Patriots. But then it's, it's the same thing of, all right, well, they've had some success blocking for Watson. Can that really ha- sustain itself over the course of the season? you got to really hope that they get no injuries up front. And I don't know about their defense if they can stop Brady when it counts. So I don't think the Patriots will go undefeated this year. But they're going to be in the Super Bowl again, which should be Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl, which is absurd. And they're going to run into potentially a really beat-up NFC team who had to go through war to get to the Super Bowl. And I think it's all probably end up with Brady winning his 7th Super Bowl, which is just an absurd figure. But the AFC with no Mahomes is just really down like Buffalo's not going to beat him Josh Allen's going to win a playoff game in Foxborough I don't think so so it's going to be the Pats against whatever team survives the NFC which will be a great Super Bowl it'll be a great game but the AFC playoffs are looking like a snooze as of week eight speaking of another AFC team why don't people mention the Los Angeles formerly known as San Diego Chargers Amongst maybe the most dysfunctional teams isn't right, but of the most heartbreaking or heartbroken fan bases because they lose games in ways that make no sense. They lose so many close games. Like they lost to the Lions by three this year. They just lost to the Titans this past week by three. They lost to the Steelers by seven, the Broncos by seven, the Texans by seven. Those are all one score losses. And the Colts, they won by one score. They they won by six in week one. And I know that they've had a bunch of injuries this year with uh, no Derwin James, the big loss on the defensive side. But they basically, like, it's, they just lose in heartbreaking fashion where, you know, Melvin Gordon fumbles at the goal line on the last play. And they turn the ball over five times in the goal-to-goal situation. It was basically like inside the 10. That's, in, that's just heartbreaking stuff if you're rooting for them. And it's so hard to not think that. I'm going to talk about this a little later with Michigan football. When you watch the, 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 Los, the, the Los Angeles Chargers play, that they're not an accident waiting to happen. Phillip Rivers run, runs around in the fourth quarter just like trying to make the impossible happen every week and he doesn't because he's a really good quarterback but it's also we're all kind of numb to it when he makes these great comebacks because he has to do it so frequently that it's like it's a part of their game plan and it's 
it's just unbelievable that this team was in the playoffs last year. I think they won 11 or 12 games last year. I think they were 12 and 4 tied with uh, Kansas City. But when you're looking at this Chargers team, they are super talented, but poorly coached, and they don't execute. Too many penalties, and they don't execute in situations where they have to. On goal to goal, go, you can't have five turnovers over the course of the season. Those have to be points. Even if, obviously, the goal is always a touchdown, but even if you settle for field goals, that's you just can't turn the ball over there. You just can't do it. And I feel bad for Chargers fans because it must be so hard to root for them knowing that your team, that, that, that just you never know what you're going to get out of your team on any given Sunday. Because they could look great one week, and then the next week could be fall could fall down by twenty points, and then battle their way all the way back, and look like they're going to win, and then score the winning touchdown, and have a call back with a penalty, and then turn the ball over. And I just feel bad. So if you know a Chargers fan, give them a hug, ask if they're doing okay, and just be there for them because because they're going through a lot. I think that there are, speaking of staying in the theme of of the AFC, there are two teams remaining who are winless. Two teams do not have a win this year. And they are the Miami Dolphins at 0-6 and the Cincinnati Bengals at 0-7. Miami has only scored 63 points this year. Their point differential is minus 148. In six football games, they're being outscored by 148 points. That's like a JV team has to compete in a varsity division. It's hard to explain the precedent of that because I don't think there is. They are so bad. And Cincinnati has scored 114 points this year, and their point differential is minus 72. Also not great. Andy Dalton, it's time to move on. I think everyone agrees with that. Uh, Their coach, Zach Taylor, a McVay guy. Uh, Maybe the McVay tree, we should hold off on anointing him, uh, you know, the next great tree, the way Parcells was. Because the Bengals are on seven. (laughs) And it hasn't been great either. It's been kind of ugly. You know, they almost beat Seattle in week one. They get destroyed by San Francisco in week two. Crushed by the Steelers. And the Steelers are terrible. That was without Roethlisberger they get crushed. Lose to the Jags. Play close against Baltimore. You know, division game. You could throw the records out. That that great quote in, in division games. Throw, throw all the records out. You know. Almost beat Arizona. You know, congrats. You lost to them by three. You know who loses to Arizona? Bad football teams. You know why? Because Arizona's not a very good football team. And I really wonder where this team goes. because So so they take Jonah Williams in the first round last year off of the tower from Alabama. And it seems like they're going to have to take another quarterback this year. Are they going to take Jonah Williams' former teammate in the first round, Tua? Tua Tagovailoa from, from Alabama? You know, they should be a top three draft pick that they could really choose their pick between Tua, Fromm, potentially Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Uh, that 
They just have to they, they have to nail this draft. They have to nail the draft. Cause when you're this bad, you know, they picked Ryan Finley in the fourth round, quarterback at NC State. Maybe you bench Andy Dalton and just say, hey, we just gotta figure out if this Ryan Finley kid can play. Because if he can't play, we definitely need a quarterback. But if he can kind of play, you know, we probably still will, will pick a quarterback, but maybe we'll take someone else. Maybe we'll take Grant Delpit, safety at LSU, and start rebuilding the defense. Or Chase Young from Ohio State, get a great pass rusher to build our defense around. So we'll see what the, what they do. If I had to bet on who's going to win a game first, you know, I think there's a chance it comes down to December 22nd when these two teams play against each other in Miami. But I'll say that Cincinnati wins the first game because they get to play the Jets on December 1st. And, you know, Miami gets to play the Jets in a couple of weeks. They'll be at home for it. Cincinnati has to be on the road against the Jets. If if Miami doesn't beat the Jets in two weeks, I don't know if they're going to win a game this year. Uh, Miami's getting better. Uh, they're being super aggressive, trying to will their way to a win. You know, they just have one of the worst rosters in the league. But I think it could come down to Cincinnati, Miami in week six in, in week sixteen to figure out if. Because there's a chance they could both be 0-14 going to that game. Which will probably the first time ever that 0-14 teams have played against each other. Which would be really crazy. Like You kind of have to watch that just for the history of it. But then also at the same time question why you're watching it too. So just moving on. Just, just the games this week. The games this week aren't that great. Uh, you got Washington and Minnesota on Thursday night. That's you know it's the Kirk Cousins against Washington game, but Washington is terrible. The you know the the Deadskins are brutal to watch, and Minnesota should crush them. But it is Cousins on prime time, so you never know. But you know when when you look at it, Seattle Atlanta seems like a good game, but Atlanta is one and six. They're really not very good at this whole football thing. Seattle should win that game comfortably. You know, the Chargers and the Bears, two teams with sky-high expectations. Before the season, this was seen as, oh, this could be a really good game. But now it's, all right, maybe not. I'm looking at this Drew Brees. If he's really back against Arizona, that's a game to, to tune into just to of big importance. Is Brees back? Because he had a thumb injury on his throwing hand. Let's see how he looks moving the ball because that could be a big thing because, the you know, it is his throwing hand and he's a quarterback. So, that could be a significant injury. He's 39 years old. I think it's really important to see just how far back he is from that injury. Then you got Carolina, San Francisco. Uh, Kyle Allen, who I always want to call Logan Allen for some reason, but but Kyle Allen is undefeated since taking over that starting job. He's 4-0. So, I mean, Carolina's 4-2 at San Francisco, who is undefeated at 6-0. This is going to be a really good game. See if Kyle Allen's for real. And if San Francisco can win again, they'll be 7-0. and And that's on the a prime time, 4.05 on Fox. I'm really looking forward to that one. Two good defenses, two youngish quarterbacks. Uh, that should be a good, good one. Then you got Cleveland, New England. 
this is, is can Cleveland do anything? Is Cleveland for real? Can Cleveland's talent put it together, coming off a bye to challenge New England? This is New England's first real test, too, against a really talented team. Are they, are they going to rise to the, to the t- test of playing against a lot of talent? Spoiler alert, I think they will. I think New England wins this game. But I think, I think there's a chance it, it could be close because it is Baker in a primetime game. Let's see if he can rise the challenge. And let's, I want to see if they can, if they can move the ball because Nick Chubb is really good. So if they can run the ball against this, against this Pats team, they have a chance. And I really wish Mahomes wasn't injured because Green Bay at Kansas City on Sunday night would have been potentially the game of the season. And, you know, Mahomes was back practicing if by some act of God he's able to, to play this week. This is the do whatever, do, make sure you are sitting in front of your TV watching this, this football game because this is going to be incredible. And the Monday night game, Miami-Pittsburgh, if you need to do anything in your life, pay bills, groceries, laundry, anything that you've been neglecting for days, weeks, months, you know, spend time with your kids, go for a walk, literally do anything else. If, if you have to watch, you know, if you have to paint a wall in your house and then watch it and then watch it dry, do that instead of watching Miami at Pittsburgh. Literally do anything else. Unless you have a gambling problem, which you should be seeking help for, there is no reason why you should be watching one second of Miami against Pittsburgh, unless you're a fan of one of those teams, in which case... Still, come on, guys. So I'm going to take a quick break now. And when I come back, we'll be talking college football. thoughts and then you know go off on some tangents if any arise so as i talked about at the top i was in ann arbor this past weekend visiting some friends it was michigan penn state weekend game was away so it was still great to be there on a game day environment would have loved to be at the big house got to see it from afar it is ridiculously large like (laughs) just the fact that on a college campus just you know you're, you're just walking along talking about you know, just hanging out. There's what? What? There's a hundred thousand seat football stadium, which is just crazy. Anyway, Michigan's problem is not Jim Harbaugh. Okay, I know he gets blamed for uh, everything going on at Michigan, but when you're, especially this past week, I know. Okay, I know the offense hasn't looked great, right? They really struggled moving the ball. They look inept at times. But what this team is lacking is not... They they aren't lacking a great coach because they have a great coach. What they're lacking is just belief in themselves and coming from the players because... Yes, you can say, all right, double OT win against Army. Terrible. Gets crushed by Wisconsin. All right, well, that game was on the road. 
you know, okay, lose to Penn State on the road. You say the best teams win road games in the conference. Okay, sure, whatever. That makes sense. But it's not because Harbaugh isn't a good a good enough coach. It's because this team can't get out of, can't get out of their own way. Because at a certain point, like, do people realize that at a certain point the coach can't go actually on the field and do stuff for the players? That at a certain point it comes down to the players not committing offside penalties, not false starting. I feel really bad for the kid, but not dropping passes in key moments. It's going to take just the guys on the team to step up and say, we're doing this. Shea Patterson did it. Shea Patterson fought as hard as he could against Penn State. And if anyone's blaming Shea Patterson, they're crazy and need to rewatch that game. But... Just because he didn't throw any touchdowns passes doesn't mean that the team didn't play well. The team was pretty good on on Saturday. Penn State is just really, really good. And that's what happens when when you play in the Big Ten. You could be really good, and I know Michigan's expectations is to be in the college football playoff contention every year. But you know how you get in college football playoff contention? Your players make plays. The the coaches are, are important in terms of recruiting stuff. Harbaugh still recruits pretty well. What's the most important is the players have to make plays. And the guys on Michigan just don't make enough plays. They make enough stupid plays. They make they have enough penalties and just plays that hurt them. You know, they shoot themselves in the foot a lot with a lot of penalties. A lot of a lot of penalties, drops, missed kicks, you know, blown coverages miscommunications it's not on Harbaugh certain stuff is on Harbaugh not everything is on Harbaugh because if Michigan lets Harbaugh go I was talking about this with Coach Sass a few weeks ago it's not like they can go get someone else who's better than Jim Harbaugh just oh yeah we can throw money at the problem once you, once you think that you can start throwing money at the problem in major college sports that's where that's where you're going to go wrong because it's a culture thing. It's a identity thing. It's a continuity thing. Once you think that, oh, just the problem is that we just get a coach and pay him a ton of money and then he'll go get all the best players and do all this, that's when the program starts to go downhill. Let Harbaugh stay for as long as he wants to because Harbaugh knows what he's doing. I'm sure he can be very difficult at times, But Jim Harbaugh is one of the best football coaches in the country. And he's proven that. And at a certain point, the guys on Michigan just have to make plays. That's what's eventually that's what it's going to come down to. Because if you think about it, just on and also people are way overreacting. Michigan's schedule. They have Notre Dame this week at home. That's a winnable football game. I know Notre Dame is ranked eighth. That is a very, very winnable football game. Michigan State isn't very good. They're four and three. And it's at home. Maryland isn't very good. Indiana is terrible. Well, not terrible. They're two and two in conference, five and two overall. But they've never done anything of real significance in the Big Ten football wise. 
and then you get Ohio State at home. There's a good chance that this team will be nine and two. Not not a good chance, but there's a chance that this team will be nine and two going into that Ohio State game. If this team is nine and two going to Ohio State, and let's say that they win that game, that they start making the plays in that game, which is at home, don't forget it's at the big house. They win that game, they're ten and two. That's a great season. Even nine and three is a really, really good season. You know, you know who you lost to? Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. Probably three teams who have a real chance at the playoff this year. That's not that that's a good year. That's a hey, we just weren't good enough. We're gonna come back next year and prove that we deserve to be in that class. And we, you should do it with Jim Harbaugh leading the way. Two is injury is a way, way, way bigger deal than anyone is talking about. So Tua Tagovailoa, Alabama quarterback, stud. Best, best quarterback I've ever seen in college. He has a high ankle sprain. Again, this past week, has, has a high ankle sprain. And he goes in and he gets surgery, the same surgery he had last year about uh, before the before the playoff before he played Oklahoma where he had that ankle surgery he has that same surgery and what I don't think people are realizing is that this is a really big deal this dude just had ankle surgery you could say all you want about how oh minor surgery minor surgery he'll be back he played so well against Oklahoma there's no A there's no such thing as minor surgery B they're doing it in the middle of the season, not when you have a whole month to get off and get right. You're, they're doing this in the middle of the season where they're the number one team in the country, and they have Arkansas this week. Arkansas is bad. It's a bad SEC football team, and they get it home. But it is Mac Jones' first first start. It's a really big shoes to fill when two is the best quarterback Alabama's ever had, Heisman top five pick and they have LSU in two weeks after that so we play LSU in three weeks if you're an Alabama fan is Tua really going to be ready in 25-ish days from when his surgery happened it took him about 30 days for the other one before the playoff and yes you have LSU at home but if Tua's not at 100% and Joe Burrow is coming to town with Coach O and that whole LSU team they are in trouble because Alabama's the best team in the country. Almost a lock for the playoffs. What it feels like with Tua. But without Tua, this this team is in real, real, real trouble. And speaking of LSU. LSU, now that Tua's out, I think LSU is the best team in the country. And you could argue, too, Ohio State is also the, could, has a chance to say they're the best team in the country, too. But LSU is destroying teams and playing in a way that, just like Alabama last year with Tua, never really played before, throwing the ball. Joe Burrow is going to win the Heisman. He is ridiculous. And this week they get Auburn at home, chance to prove it to the whole country that this team is the best team in the country. They could go into Texas and win. They could play Florida at home and win. They could beat up on the weak SEC teams, crushing Vandy, crushing Mississippi State. 
and that they could play Auburn, <laughs> they can beat Auburn. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be insane. And Joe Burrow is so good. Joe Burrow transfer quarterback from Ohio State has thrown for twenty four hundred yards, almost twenty five hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns, and three interceptions. That's those are numbers no LSU quarterback I can remember who's ever put up. And he should be the favorite for Heisman with Tua and Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. But because he's doing it for perhaps the best team in the best conference, he should be getting maybe more of the Heisman consideration than Tua because Tua's wide receivers, their three lock NFL picks. Not really sure how LSU's receivers grade out. They always grade out well, but it's not like you're talking about he has a couple top 10 picks on that he's throwing the ball to. And Coach O gets, needs to get more credit for saying, all right, I'm not the best coach per se offensively. But you know what I am good at? I'm a great recruiter. They just got, I think, the number 12 recruit in the country today. He says, I'm a great recruiter and a great motivator. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to trust my assistants to coach the team and put us in the best position to win. That's really tough to do at a place like LSU where they love firing coaches. They love firing coaches. LSU in every sport is national championship or bust. Maybe not basketball, but national championship or bust in almost every other sport. So when you are the head coach, it's like, you feel so much responsibility. It must be really hard to give so much responsibility to other coaches in your program. When you know at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're the one who's going to have to answer, answer the bell. It's all going to fall on you, whether you are calling the plays or not. Because fans aren't going to call for some offensive coordinator to get fired. They're going to call for Coach O to get fired, which is a big difference. But I think LSU is phenomenal. I can't wait for their game against Auburn this week. Then lastly, and this is part of the, we're going to mix this in with the, with the preview of games for, for the week. I'm picking Wisconsin. Coach Sass, clo- close your ears. I'm picking Wisconsin to beat Ohio State this week on the road. It's going to be in the horseshoe in Columbus. I just think Wisconsin with Jonathan Taylor is so good that they have a chance to beat Ohio State. Ohio State, this is the first real game that they've played. First real game, first real test for Justin Fields. Luck, and you know, it is it is at home. I think that this is going to be a battle. And I think Wisconsin with Jonathan Taylor can hold the ball can can hold the ball and have enough possession to make it really difficult for Justin Fields to win. But that's a great game. That's at noon kickoff on Saturday. This is a great college football weekend, folks. Great college football weekend. That's going to be a really good game. I can't wait to watch that one. Then you have obviously LSU Auburn at 3:30 on CBS. That's going to be just an insane battle. I like LSU in this one. At home, Joe Burrow. Auburn defensive line is insanely good. So many NFL guys there. But I love Joe Burrow. 
I love me some Joe Burrow, and I think LSU is going to win that game by three points, survive, and move on, get it ready for Alabama, number one versus number two in what could be the game of the decade. And then lastly, you know, you got Notre Dame-Michigan, should be really good. Chance to see Michigan bounce back. And if Notre Dame could beat Michigan, it keeps their playoff hopes alive, you know? They're a one-loss team. They're hoping for some chaos. It helps Georgia lost. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a really good game of football, historical powerhouses going back and forth. I think Michigan wins that one by a touchdown. That's at 7.30 on ABC. A bunch of my friends will be going. Shout out to them. Uh, it's going to be a great environment. They're going to pack the big house, 110,000 plus. Just have faith. Guys are going to make plays. It's going to be all right. And then, and then I like this Utah-California. I got two Pac-12 matchups. Utah-California. Cal was ranked earlier in the year. They were in the top 15. Utah's really good. I think that's going to be a good matchup. And then Oregon, Washington State at Oregon. Chance to be a shootout, an absolute shootout. Oregon beat Washington this past week in a really, really big win for them. Justin Herbert against the Washington State juggernaut under Mike Leach. This could be a high-scoring game, and I'm really looking forward to it. And then Utah Cal. The Pac-12 isn't dead yet, folks. Not dead yet. You know, they're on the f- they're on the floor. You're counting on them. The count's on, but they they but they won't get knocked out yet. Because if if Oregon wins this game, they can jump back up into the top ten. And if they finish the year eleven and one or whatever, they have they they have a chance for the playoff. So I'm really looking forward to that to those games. And we're gonna be talking NBA later this week. Really looking forward to it. Great games. So much sports going on. You got the World Series, the NBA is back. If you're a hockey guy, the NHL is back. I'm not a hockey guy. Kelly's not a hockey guy, but there's still a lot of NHL back now. So much football, so much good football that it's just going to be great for the pod. We're going to be talking a lot about all the stuff and really looking forward to it. So as Kelly likes to say, take care and make it a great day.